Welcome to God's Truth. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we continue to feast upon the words of Jesus Christ as taught in the Holy Scriptures. This year, we're looking at the New Testament, the New Covenant. We're looking at the ministry and the teachings of Jesus Christ. So we welcome you here this day as we continue to teach and to testify of the Lord throughout all the world. And as one of his witnesses, I testify and add my witness to those who have come before and those who will come after that he lives. He sits at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. He rose from the dead in all majesty and glory as the scriptures testify of him. So let's look today as we record this uh, lesson. Let's look at uh, uh, Matthew. Uh, we're going to be looking today at uh, Matthew 9 through 10. And we'll look at Ma uh, Mark. And we're going to look at some uh, Luke here. So we're going to see many great things of uh, uh, Jesus Christ this day. Okay, so let's uh, look at uh, chapter 9. We're going to first look. So Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8 says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their face, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. This is the story we've seen uh, previously where uh, they, people were crowded outside the door of the house. They can't get this paralyzed man in. So they go up to the roof, uncover the roof, and let him down. They, uh, uh, Matthew doesn't mention that part, but that's the same story that we're looking at. This is Matthew's version of it. And he's keeping it short and condensed. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, oh, let's see, verse 3. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, remember Jesus is always using his omniscience, his all knowledge to know what his enemies are thinking, what the false religious leaders are thinking in their hearts, and he'll often respond to it to show that he knows all things. So they're uh, saying within themselves, they're thinking, uh, this man blasphemes, right? Because who can forgive sins but God is what they're thinking. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? Is it easier to say to this man, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Stand up and walk, but to know that I am the Son of God, and that I have all power on heaven and earth, and that I have power to forgive sins? I say to this man right now, Stand up, walk, take your bed with you, and go home. And the man got up and left and walked for the first time in who knows how many years. And uh, and so he proved that, once again, he's the son of God, the savior of the world. He has all power on heaven, in heaven and on earth. Now, the next block here would be 9 through 13. And as Jesus passed forth from sins, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. Remember, because he's a tax collector. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And so should we when Christ comes along and whispers to us through his Holy Ghost, through the Holy Spirit, arise and follow me. Then we should arise just like Matthew did, leave behind everything, our jobs, whatever we have in this world to follow him. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners, remember sinners often I mean prostitutes, so many tax collectors. He's sitting around with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And um, and so the, uh, um, and when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, 
Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. And he quotes Hosea 6, 6 here. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. So even though he commanded the people in the days of Moses to perform all these animal sacrifices, he would prefer the people showed mercy, not necessarily sacrifice. For I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's why Jesus spent his time with the sinners. Those are the ones he wanted to bring and offer the hope of salvation. Those, those are the ones who were miserable in their lives that he wanted to bring joy and happiness to. They are the ones that feared for the eternal salvation of their souls. And he wanted to bring them the knowledge that they could repent of their sins and come unto him and be forgiven. Then came to him the disciples of John saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often? And they would fast twice a week. But thy disciples don't fast. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? As I am the bridegroom, as, as I'm with them, we're, we're having a party. We're having a wedding party. Of course, they're not going to fast during a wedding party. As long as I'm with them, they will not fast. But the day's coming which I'm going to be taken from them. And the apostasy is going to take place. And the church is going to go off from the earth. Then they shall fast in those days. And so then he gives this parable here about the um, you know, the new cloth onto the old garment. And it makes it worse. That's what we had in the Reformation. They made it worse. At least the, the Catholic Church pretended to have uh, authority, pretended to that the ordin that the uh, ordinances were important, being you know baptized in the sacrament of Eucharist. But once the Reformation came by, then they even took that out. Right? They took out a any concept of all of having priesthood and authority and having the, the necessary ordinances such as baptism and, and the sacraments. So by the Reformation, they actually made it worse. They made the apostasy worse, so they needed a new beginning, as he taught here in the other scriptures. Right? Okay, so then in 18, while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler. And worshipped him. So he bowed down, worshipped Jesus, and said, My daughter is about to die. Please come and lay your hand upon her, and she shall live. How does the blessing of the sick take place? You lay your hands on their head and give them a blessing. And behold, a woman, while they're walking off to this house, a woman with the uh, disease, an issue of blood 12 years. We learn from, uh, from the other synoptic Gospels that she spent all her money on doctors trying to heal her of this, um, whatever this bleeding was, but they only made it worse. And the woman, and when Jesus turned him about, let's see, in verse um, 21, for she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, and in those days they would actually pay professional mourners to come mourn for multiple days at your house for you know on the passing of, of the loved ones. So these are professional mourners. And so Christ comes here, tells them, you know, please leave. 
the, the maid's uh, not dead. She's just sleeping. And they laughed him to score. They thought Jesus was ridiculous and crazy. Uh, that Jesus is going to heal and raise her from the dead. When the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame thereof went abroad into all that land. And when Jesus departed from thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I'm able to do this miracle. And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But what happened? But they spread when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. He told them, Be quiet. They spread abroad in all that country, and it was hard for him to, to do a ministry there. He had to actually now start teaching outside of the city, right? So sometimes even when you think that you're doing something good in life, you can sometimes impede the work of the Lord and, and not do it according to how God wants it, even if it appeared to you as a good thing. Most would have thought that was a good thing that he'd go tell all the city about his miracle. But Jesus specifically told him not to, and he hindered Jesus's work by so doing. And as they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. And the multitudes marveled, saying it was never to be seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said he cast out devils by the prince of the devils. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. And now, now notice Matthew here, right, about how ridiculous that is. He, he knows there's no need to even explain this further, right? But we see in the other synoptics where they have Jesus trying to explain that how can Satan, you know, cast out Satan and still have a kingdom? And if you, you know, and the strong men of the house and, you know, he gives some parables here, you know, trying to teach how ridiculous it is. But Matthew knows it's so ridiculous. He didn't even have to quote Jesus here to explain how ridiculous that was that Jesus was casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of the devil. In 35, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered and brought as sheep having no shepherd. They didn't have a true minister, a true apostle, a true prophet of God. The prophetic voice had not been heard in Israel for 400 years since Malachi. And so he, here he was showing sympathy and pity among these people because they did not have a true prophet to listen to. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. So there's always more people out there that we can baptize, but we don't have enough missionaries to reach him. So uh, Jesus is telling us we should always pray that God can continue to raise up missionaries and even maybe uh, increase the numbers of missionaries to be able to go out and, and reach those people who, who want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we can just find them. Okay, chapter 10, uh, verse 1. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power again. So what did he give the 12 apostles? Power against unclean spirits, so to cast out evil spirits, and to heal all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. So three things that apostles are supposed to be doing. 
And we've seen this in the other uh, Gospels as well, right? Three things that Christ commanded them to do. Preach the gospel, cast out devils, and heal the sick. So if you only preach the gospel, but you're not casting out devils and you're not healing the sick, one out of three, that's 33%. That's a failing grade. You're not fulfilling your role, your calling as being an apostle of the Lord. What if you uh, teach the gospel and heal the sick? Well, now we're at 66%, right? Uh, you know, and uh, the, you know, so you're you're passing, you're passing, but it's not the full. You know, it's not the it's not the letter A grade or the ninety percent plus level or what you know, depending on the grading systems that you come from in your different countries and cultures, right? So you need to do all three, right? You preach the gospel, you cast out devils, and you heal the sick. If you have those three and you then you perform those three duties. And those are the three main focuses and duties of, of your of your calling, of the time that you spent serving the Lord, then you're passing. Then you're doing what Jesus Christ commanded you to do, to go forward, to preach the gospel, cast out devils, and heal the sick. Now, it takes faith, so you have to develop the faith to be able to cast out devils, the faith to be able to heal sicknesses. If you don't have faith to cast out evil spirits to heal the sick, you're not going to be able to do it, are you? So it's important to develop the faith that you've been given, those of you who have been given the priesthood of God, that you have the power to preach the gospel, to cast out devils and heal the sick, and you need to go forward and do all three of them. Okay, so uh, that's verse 1. Now we get to verse 5 through 8. These 12, Jesus sent forth after naming their names, right? And we see among them a lot of family members, James and John, cousins of Jesus, first cousins. We'd already seen John the Baptist was the second cousin of Jesus. We see that he's got three brothers here, James, uh, uh, Judas. He's named Lebius and Thaddeus and, and some of the different, he's got a lot of names, right? But it's the same characters, the one who writes the epistle of Jude, the brother of James, brother of Jesus. Uh, Lebius here, his, his surname was Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite. Uh, they keep calling him Canaan. the different uh, uh, interpretations, different opinions, why he's named the Canaanite, uh, but that's, that's Simon, the third, uh, third, three of the four, uh, uh, three of the four brothers that Jesus had. He's going to be the second president of the church after James. Okay, these 12 Jesus sent forth, and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city the Samaritans enter not. The gospel was still given to the Jews at this point in time. It's only once they re uh, reject him and crucify him for the sins of the world unknowingly that then Jesus is going to tell them to go forward and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the main message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Christ was there at that time. Christ had brought forward his church at that time. Now in the latter days, what do we do? We go forth and preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The church is back on the earth. The kingdom of heaven is back on the earth. 
growing and growing until we fill the whole earth and prepare the way for Jesus to come back and reign as Lord of Lords and King of Kings for 1,000 years in the millennium. 11 through, uh, and so once again here, uh, so as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and once again, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and making it clear now, right? Not just heal the sick, but let's look at this, right? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. Okay, now we learn another great lesson here in 11 through 15. And into whatsoever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, because you need to go stay there while you preach in that city. And when you come into a house, salute it, right? And offer to pray for the peace upon the house, blessings upon the house of, of those who are willing to entertain you, to those who are willing to let you stay there and feed you and let you sleep there, or even willing to listen to what you have to say as you share the messages of God. But uh, And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet as a witness against them. And here's the promise. If you do, if you shake off the dust of your feet against them, verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah and the day of judgment than for that city or that house, you know, that you visited, that rejected the gospel. It'd be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah, who God had to destroy by firing down some huge missile or something to blow up the to blow up those cities. It'd be more tolerable for them than those who reject Jesus Christ and the messages of Jesus Christ being sent forth throughout the world through his missionaries in these latter days. Seventeen through twenty-three. But beware of man, for they will deliver you up to the council. So he's warning them you're gonna have a lot of persecution, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and he shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. So as you put uh, put on trial for, for preaching the gospel of God, we don't want you to think beforehand your own defense. You go there and the spirit of God will give you what to say in that very hour. For in verse 24, it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. <clears throat> okay, then he warns them. Look, brother is going to bring a brother to death, and the father of the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death as they start to join the Christian community. Families are going to turn against families. When they persecute you in this city, in verse 23, Flee into another, for verily I say unto you. Now watch this, watch this. Ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Let's read that again. I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. So 
here it is nearly 2,000 years later uh, after this date that Christ delivered this. And we still don't have missionaries in Israel at all. In fact, we've made the, uh, you know, a contract with the Israeli government to even have the uh, uh, Brigham Young University uh, the Center there in Jerusalem that we will not even preach the gospel there. So we don't even have missionaries there, right? And, and not to mention have covered all the cities in Israel at, at this point of time, right? And the promise is Christ is coming back before we shall do so, before we will be able to take the gospel by missionaries to all the cities of Israel. Before that day comes, Christ will have come back. That's a promise directly from his own mouth here in Matthew chapter 10. Okay, now let's continue on. Uh, let's look at 32 through 42. Whosoever therefore shall confess, uh, is one of my favorite scripture, right? Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also be before my Father, which is in heaven. What a great promise that is to those who are not ashamed of Jesus Christ, those who, who share Jesus Christ with their neighbors, with their friends, with their families. That as you're willing to confess Jesus Christ before others, so will he confess you before his heavenly father in the day of judgment. Jesus himself will go to his father and say, Father, let this one pass and come into our presence into heaven here. For I know this one. He confessed me before man. I'm confessing him before you, Father. Allow him to come in. What a great promise from the Lord. But watch the cursing, the opposite of this, right? He says here, But whosoever shall deny me before man, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Those who fail to live up to their Christian covenants, fail to share Jesus Christ with their families, friends, relatives, neighbors, and, and so forth. Those who, who do that, I'm going to say, Father, I don't know this one. Even if I do, right? Even if I know this person, I'm going to say, Father, I don't know this one. I don't know him. Don't allow him in. And throw him out into the outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. A lot of people all preach, you know, that false Jesus in the public today. Oh, he just loves everybody and he's so peaceful and stuff. He knows that the truth offends people. He knows that it chases people, that it, that it, he just said, he just said it's going to turn brother against brother and the son against father and the daughter against their mother and the mother against the daughter and these sort of things. So he's come not, the gospel is not to bring peace upon the earth. He says it's come to bring a sword, right? I came not to send peace, but a sword. That's what the gospel does. It's like same as bringing a sword upon the earth. It's going to divide people, families. And nations and so forth. For I'm come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Who's his real enemies? Those of his own household. Those who are not members of the church and kingdom of God. Those who belong to other false churches. Who belong to other false religions. Those are his enemies. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. If you're willing to 
not accept Jesus Christ, not accept his true church upon the earth because your parents don't like you and don't want you to join. They are not worthy of me, saith the Lord Jesus Christ. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. If your son or daughter begs you, don't join the true church of God, you know, then, then you're not worthy of Jesus Christ. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that receiveth you, the missionaries of the church, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth my father that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall reward a, uh, receive a prophet's reward. So a prophet is dead if dedicated himself 24-7 to the Lord. You receive a prophet, you will receive his same reward. He that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive the, uh, the reward that a righteous man will inherit. And whosoever gives drink unto one of these little ones, a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, will also receive the same reward that a disciple is going to receive. He shall in no wise lose his reward. Okay, look, uh, Mark 5 now is going to pretty much repeat these stories we've been looking at. Uh, uh, so we're going to go ahead and now and move to Luke uh, chapter 9. Okay, Luke chapter 9 is going to be a lot of great things here today in Luke 9. Uh, beginning with uh, verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Gee, he said that in Mark. He said it in Matthew. He said it in Luke. Right? And he sent them to preach the kingdom and to heal the sick. We already talked about this. They go together. You're not a true missionary, a true apostle of God, if you're not preaching the gospel and healing the sick at the same time. The healing of the sick is designed to prove that you are a true minister, a true missionary, a true apostle of God, and that God has sent you, that you have his authority to be with you, and that therefore the message you're teaching is true. If you're not healing the sick, you can't back up what you're teaching. You can't back up that you're a true servant of God. That's only proven by healing the sick and casting out devils. And he said unto them, take nothing for your journey. And, you know, rely on faith in God that he'll provide the way for you. And so then they go here about the shaking the dust off of the feet, uh, a testimony against that house, against that city who... It rejects the gospel message. Okay, now Herod is hearing all this being done by Jesus, and now he wants to seek and find and, and have a meeting with Jesus because he's scared that John has risen from the dead. He had beheaded John, and now maybe John's risen from the dead. And others said, well, maybe he's Elijah, and Elijah's peer, appeared. Others said, well, maybe he's one of the other old prophets and has risen again from the dead. And verse 9, and Herod said, John, have I beheaded? But who is this to whom I hear such things? And he desired to see Jesus. And the apostles, when they were returned, told, so then Christ sends them out on their first mission. So they depart Jesus for a while, and they come back, and they report. And they told him all that they had done. And he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. 
And the people, when they knew it, followed him, and he received them, and spake unto them of the kingdom of God, and he healed them that need a healing, because the preaching of the gospel and the healing of the sick come together. You can't do one without the other. And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve, and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about, and lodge and get victuals, for we are here in a desert place. But he said unto them, Give ye to give them to eat. And they said, We we only have five loaves of bread, Jesus, and two fishes. And uh and there's five thousand men here. Now the five thousand men are assumed to have spouses, wives, right? That's ten thousand. They figure they probably had on average two kids per per couple. So we're actually talking about 20,000 people here. A lot of people think it was just 5,000, just 5,000 men, but they had wives and children, right? So talking about 20,000 people, Jesus is about to feed from five loaves of bread and two fishes. Jesus tells them to sit down by 50s, and they did so. Then in verse 16, he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them, and he break and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat and were all filled. And it was taken up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets, one for each of the 12 apostles. He provides for those who serve him. Right? And it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. And he asked them, saying, Whom do the people say that I am? They answering said, John the Baptist. But some say, Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. And then Jesus pins them down and he says, But who do you, the twelve apostles, say that I am? Then Peter answering said, The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing yet, saying, The Son of Man must still suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, not just once a week when you go to church, but daily. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall actually find it. If you wear yourself out in the service of God, serving your fellow man and preaching his word, you're going to... Uh, truly find your life and you'll truly find that joy and happiness and all the blessings of God. For what is a man advantage if he gain even the whole world? Because the most successful businessman makes billions of, of dollars, right? But if he loses himself or be cast away into hell, well, what good was that? What good? What a wasted life. Right? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him shall the son of man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. And that's about to be fulfilled as Peter, James, and John are going to see Christ transfigured into his glory before them, seeing the glory of the kingdom of God. And it came to pass about in eight days after the saint is also fulfilled, as we know that John the beloved, John the Apostle, the beloved 
apostle is actually still alive, never died, according to the prophet, right? And it came to pass that about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and James, John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men who were Moses and Elijah. The two had been transfigured and never died. They were taken up to God. Remember, Elijah goes off into the flying chariot. The chariot comes and he gets into the this UFO, identified, unidentified flying object, and he flies off to the heavens. Moses, we're not told if he gets into the chariot or not, but he's somehow transfigured, you know, and does not die either. So these two now appear to Christ. And in um, 31, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, of his, uh, you know, coming death, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory, just as he had foretold, foretold eight days before, that they shall not taste the death till they see the kingdom of God. And so here in 32, they're seeing the glory of God. Right? And the two men that stood with him, and it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Sometimes people get so excited or so shocked, they start saying things that sound kind of, you know, a little bit crazy, right? That's what they're saying here. It doesn't really sound like, you know, like, you know, normal for, for him to be saved and build tabernacles to Elijah and Moses. Okay, and here we go. Another one of these things. Now, I know it's tough when we're this kind of uh, uh, videos that we do because we know that people are often coming and going. Those of you who have been with us from the beginning, you're very used to these unidentified flying objects now in the Bible. Uh, they're all over the place. I know those of you just coming in for the first time and <laughs> never even heard this, I bless your hearts. <laughs> but there's dozens upon dozens of references to these flying objects. We see in the Psalm 68, 17, that God has over 20,000 of these flying objects, right? And so here we go here in, uh, in uh, 34. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them. We've looked before. These ancient people don't have airplanes. They don't have space shuttles. They don't know how to describe these flying objects, right? So they say, well, it looks like a cloud. Now, the modern UFO investigations going on now, we now have the governments of the United States, other governments, acknowledging that these things exist. They've been tracked, you know, by multiple radars and, and all kinds of instruments that the military possesses. They've been seen by eyewitnesses, including military pilots and these sort of things that are often described as cloud-like objects. They're silver and they look like clouds and all this sort of stuff. God, I can assure you, God does not fly around in a cloud. <laughs> That's silly. It's ridiculous, right? So we know as they keep talking about God flying around clouds, it's not a real cloud. It's some other kind of object, physical object, that's transporting God here and there, right? While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them as the cloud, as this unidentified flying object flew in and now was over on top of Peter, James, and John, overshadowed them. And they feared as they entered 
into the cloud. Right? Why would you be scared if you're on a mountain and the real and you, know, you enter into a real cloud? You're not going to be scared. But if you don't know what this flying object is, you've never been in a flying object before. You're entering a flying object for the first time. Yes, you'll probably be scared, right? So they feared as they entered into the cloud. Right? into this flying object, whatever it exactly is, whether it really is like one of these current UFOs or whether it's even far more advanced than these, which can already do all kinds of things that defy uh, the laws of uh, gravity, the laws of physics, uh, you know, even what the human body can do, you know, they can be shooting across and then suddenly reverse, you know, when the person, you know, whoever's flying this thing's still apparently alive, right? They have different kind of physical body, Obviously, some sort of resurrected physical body that they have, and not human like like us. Uh, you know, so these are you know, and they may also be. So we have a lot of classes of things here, right? We have angels flying around in some kind of things. We even have evil spirits, may somehow able to do it. Whether they have robots or whatever the issue is, these are the ones that come and duck people. We've looked at this before. You ever unfortunately get in a situation like that, you raise your arm to the square and you command it in the name of Jesus Christ to depart and it will leave you alone. Now, we also may even have extraterrestrials and things like that, too. Right. There may be a lot of things going on here with these investigations now ongoing by the governments, the world spending millions of dollars now investigating these things with all our high tech to technology that we currently have. Okay, so moving on now. Uh, so we've got the cloud, his flying cloud, uh, uh, you know, often referred to as flying chariot, uh, you know, these sort of things to, to describe because they don't have the modern day vocabulary to describe what these things are. God's got 20,000 of them, according to Psalm 68:17. So they feared as they entered into the cloud, and there came a voice out of the cloud. Now, once again, it would be ridiculous. You know, some people. You know, they look for any excuse not to be saved. They look for every reason not to follow along and not to follow God and Jesus Christ. So they say, oh, the stories in the Bible are ridiculous. No, the stories in the Bible are not ridiculous. You got to learn to understand them the way that they're being described. These are ancient people who have used an ancient vocabulary, don't have modern day technological vocabulary to describe these things. You got to look at these stories in from their eyes, from their perspectives. If a cloud is, if God's flying around in the cloud and speaking from the cloud, as the verse says here, yes, that would be ridiculous. We know God does not speak from clouds, but something that may look like a cloud that is flying around in the heavens, yes, he can speak from such an object, right? So there came a voice out of the cloud, not ridiculous here, not ridiculous, right? And there came a voice out of this physical object saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. We've seen this before, whenever God the Father uh, appears on the scene, it's always to bear testimony, to bear witness of Jesus Christ being his beloved son. And so once again, he speaks from this flying object and testifies, this is Jesus, my beloved uh, son, you know, hear him, listen to him, what he has to say. When the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it closed and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen, right? <laughs> be overwhelming, right? The people couldn't comprehend anyways unless they saw it. 
You know, they don't even know what an airplane. <laughs> they don't even know what an airplane looks like, right? If you told, if you saw an airplane, and you know, how are you going to describe an airplane to those people? And it came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met him, and behold, the man of the company cried out, saying, "Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child." And lo, a evil spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him that foameth again, and bru uh, bruising him hardly departed uh, from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. So he brought his evil spirit and, and, and possessed the, uh, 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 was possessed his kid, and the apostles were not able to cast it out due to lack of faith and, and some other things here too. And as he was yet coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again unto his father. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God, but they wondered every one of the things which Jesus did. He said unto his disciples, Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of man. And they understood not the saying as it was hid from them, and that perceived it not. And they feared to ask him of that saying. Now we see in one of the other gospels that he says, this kind cometh not out save by uh, prayer and by fasting, right? So uh, that's kind of the three issues involved here, right? Lack of faith of the apostles. They had the, they had the power and authority to cast it out, but they lacked the faith to do so. They also had not been praying beforehand. And I've been praying to then have the power and the spirit of God with them to work together, the spirit of God with the power of the priesthood to cast it out. And three, they weren't obeying the law of the fast. Okay. Then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be the greatest, right? They want to be now the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. They received God. For he that is least among you, all the same shall be great. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one. Here we go. This is another great important lesson coming up here. And John answered and said, Master, we the twelve apostles saw one casting out devils in your name. And we forbade him because he wasn't one of the 12 apostles because he followed not with us, right? He was not one of the 12 apostles. So we forbade him from preaching the word of God. We told him he can't preach. He can't heal. He can't cast out devils because he's not one of the 12 apostles. We're our own little club here and we don't want anybody else to do these things that, that we're doing. And what does Christ say to them here? Forbid him not for he that is not against us is for us. If you're not against the 12 apostles, then you're with them. You're with Jesus. You're with the 12 apostles, right? So we've seen that just in this day, so it hasn't always been in the history of the world, that outside of the quorum of the 12 apostles, God has always called some that, uh, e that are equal to them and the influence that they make around the world that are equivalent to them in their teaching and their preaching and their uh, healing the sick and casting out devils 
and these sort of things, just as he had called this guy, this guy. He knew about this guy. He had sent him to go preach the gospel and cast out devils, right? But the 12 didn't understand that concept, right? So they're coming to Jesus say, well, I don't understand. We, we forbid him because he's not one of the not one of the 12 apostles. And Jesus said, leave him alone, right? God has called him. Leave him alone as long as he's not fighting against you. You know, he's not preaching against you. Let him be. He's doing great work for the kingdom of God. And he's exactly where God would have him be at this time. So God has often done that, right? There's a lot of false ministers that we also see in Matthew 7, right? Who've taken upon themselves to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. They have not been called by Jesus Christ to do so. That's why when the day of judgment, they'll come up to Jesus and say, uh, you know, but in your name, you know, we cast out devils and we healed the sick and we prophesied and we taught. Then Jesus will say to them, depart from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Go out to the weeping and wailing and the gnashing of teeth and out of darkness. So a lot will find themselves in this situation. But there's some that have been called by God uh, to serve him in a great capacity and a great influence around, around the world, even though they may not be a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. So that's a very important lesson here. Jesus taught this nearly 2,000 years ago. It should not be new new news to anybody, uh, you know, that's ever read the Bible. Right? <laughs> you just read it one time. You should already know this, uh, this concept here. Okay, so uh, now we go to 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be Received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And so it is with us. At the point of time in your life when God has called you to perform certain work for him, don't look back. That's what a script all the way from Lot's wife in Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Don't look back. You do what Jesus did and just immediately, steadfastly, you go forward and fulfill that uh, mission, fulfill that work God has set apart for you. Uh, 54, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we come? Oh, let me see here. Wait a minute. And, um, okay, 52. So he sends messengers ahead before him, and they go to the village of the Samaritans to ask if Christ can stay there. And they reject it, right? Because they hear that Christ is going to Jerusalem. They're Samaritans. They hate the Jews. The Jews hate them. If you're going to Jerusalem, we, you're not welcome here. We're not going to entertain you. We're not going to let you stay here overnight. We're not going to make sure we're not going to feed you. And so James and John get, you know, become furious at this. And so in uh, verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did? So we're referring to the story with Elijah in the Old Testament where the, the king sends 50 soldiers to go tell Elijah to come down to him. Elijah says, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And fire comes down from heaven and destroys them. Then another set of 50 are sent, right? They come up and Elijah, man of God, the king's asking for you, come on down. If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you. Fire comes down from heaven and consumes the 50. That's the story that they have in mind here. James and John are asking the Lord, Lord, do you want us to do like Elijah? Should we cast fire down from heaven 
and destroy this whole village of the Samaritans. In 55, but he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy man's lives, but to save them. He'd gone around, you know, for at least three years, healing the sick and raising the dead. And here's all the apostles now wanting to kill off everybody in the village. And they went to another village instead to stay. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But a son of man hath not any place to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Uh, we looked at what this means in the ancient Jewish culture. He wanted to wait for his dad to die and receive his inheritance. Then he'd be willing to come follow Jesus. But it may have been several years away. Uh, Jesus said to them, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go and bid them farewell, which are here at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And Christ comes when he brings the truth of the gospel to you, when he invites you through his missionaries to repent of your sins, to come unto him and to be baptized by those who hold his priest and authority of God. He doesn't want you looking back. He wants you to look forward. He wants you to go forward, to get baptized, to enter the waters of baptism, get baptized by those who hold the priest and authority of God, receive the great gift of the Holy Ghost, and endure to the end so that you can be saved as all the scriptures testify and teach of that. And so I we welcome you to the same invitation that the Lord has always given. In the description of this video, I'm going to leave a link. Reach out to the missionaries of the church. Let them know you're willing to become Christians now, to take upon yourself the name of Jesus Christ, to be baptized by those who hold the praise and authority of God so that he can bless you even mightier and greater than he's ever done up till now, that he can give you the gift of the Holy Ghost and put his arms around you and welcome you onto the path that leads back towards him and his heavenly Father. For those of you fallen in activity in the church, we welcome you back with wide open arms. Reach out to your elders, quorum president, your Relief Society president, the bishop, anybody just grab their arm, their leg, and ask them to please help you come back to full activity. You were once a member of the uh, saints and the community of God. You know what that felt like at the time. Come back, come back, and enjoy those same blessings, those same blessings of happiness, joy, and peace that once were yours can be yours again. In closing, we testify once again of this mighty Savior, Jesus Christ. He indeed is the Son of God. He was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Through his atoning blood and sacrifice, we can all repent of our sins, receive our Heavenly Father's forgiveness, and be welcomed back into their heavenly kingdom. In closing, we ask God to bless you food to eat with safe shelter overhead with basic financial resources to carry out his will, his plan, his mission for your lives. We testify and bless you with these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.